0: Welcome to episode three of the second season of the Dorothy L. Sayers podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Scholl, and we are going to have a treat for these next two episodes. An interview with Gina D'Alfonso, the author of Dorothy and Jack, The Transforming Friendship of Dorothy L. Sayers and C.S. Lewis. This well-written and thoughtful book helps us understand not only their friendship, but also more about friendship itself. Now this will be a two-part interview, and I do need to apologize for the audio on my end. I hope you can hear me well enough. Unfortunately, Gina came through, clear as a bell, and that's the important part. So let's get started. I am here with Gina D'Alfonso, the author of Dorothy and Jack: The Transforming Friendship of Dorothy L. Sayers and C.S. Lewis. This was published by Baker Books in 2020, so very recently. Gina is also the author of One by One: Welcoming Singles into Your Church and the editor of The Gospel and Charles Dickens, which is part of Plough Publishers' The Gospel and Great Writers series. Gina has also written for a variety of publications, including Christianity Today, The Atlantic, and First Things. Gina also has a book review newsletter entitled Dear Strange Things, and the website for that is dearstrangethings.substack.com. And Gina, given that intro, we could talk about a wide, wide range of topics. The Gospel in Charles Dickens was published just a month after Dorothy and Jack, mm-hmm. um, as far as I could tell. So, given your numerous interests what first drew you to write Dorothy and Jack? Was it Lewis first? Was it Sayers
1: first? The friendship first? Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, I would probably say it was the friendship first because it is something that people sort of know about, but not really. (laughs) If if, you know what I mean. Um, I mean, it's sort of common knowledge among uh, Lewis aficionados that... Uh, he is one of, for for instance, he is one of seven writers who studied and curated at the Wade Center in Wheaton and that Sayers is another one of those writers. So people are sort of aware of this connection that they have, just like Mm -hmm. had a connection with Tolkien and Chesterton and MacDonald and so forth. But people, as I found out when I started researching and writing and telling people about this project, people didn't really know how deep their friendship went, how long it lasted, what it meant to them both, uh, mm-hmm. how how it affected their lives and their work. Uh, there was just so much there. And um, I had learned about this in college uh, when I was studying uh, Lewis and Sayers and Tolkien and those other writers. And I I just thought, well, this would be a really cool thing to delve into, to explore and to tell people about
0: yeah absolutely absolutely you know uh when i first started reading about sayers usually what it says on the back of her books not her mysteries but her other ones was friend of c.s lewis Mm -hmm. Uh, so that was kind of like the intro to sayers was her connection with lewis Mm -hmm. um given some of your other interests and we're here to talk about the book but i'm very curious like how does um how does this book tie in with some of the other things that you may have been working on or been thinking about or was it a departure from some of your other projects.
1: Well that's a great question because when I pitched this book to Baker, uh it was the second book of a of a two book uh contract and the first one had been one by one the, the book about Okay. okay. And, and so I I told them you know this is really a follow up in a way because one by one talked about how how much we all need Uh, Christian friends and we all need the church and we all need the support of each other Uh, Single people feel this particularly we feel that need and yet married people need single people, too and so this was a friendship a Christian friendship of a a woman who is married and a man who was single for most of his life and uh, It it was in many ways. it, It was just the sort of friendship. I had been talking about and so it was positioned pretty well <laughs> to to be the follow-up to the yeah. one and, and to, to really explore that idea in more depth.
0: Well, and give kind of a, a real-life historical example of a good friendship, uh, an extended illustration of it, really, from people we respect. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, okay, so I want to talk about the book in general and then get into the weeds. And you've kind of already answered this question, but I've got a hypothetical situation for you. Okay. okay. So let's say that you're gonna enter an elevator. You're entering an elevator, going to the 50th floor of some skyscraper. Mm-hmm. And there are two people in the elevator. One is a college guy wearing a C.S. Lewis rocks t-shirt. <laughs> uh, just graduated from Wheaton. And the other is a thoughtful grandmother whose tote bag says, I'd rather be gardening. Now they hear that you're an author, the author of a book and they ask you about it. So you've got a captive audience how would you describe the book to them? How would it be helpful to them? Um, and how would you kind of have a three-way conversation wow. with those people? Wow,
1: that is, that is a fascinating thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it, that, that is a good question, too, because I've sort of had to pitch this book to two different groups at once because, as I found, Lewis fans and Sarah's fans don't always overlap. There are those who are very into Sayers who don't always know about the friendship with Lewis. And there are those uh fans of Lewis who haven't have never really explored the friendship with Sayers. So so um the Venn diagram is not <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> right. is that what you might think it would be. So um yeah, so I would um I might start with Sayers and I might I might just start throwing out a few facts about her. You know, she, did did you know she wrote a lot of golden age mysteries because the woman, the, the older woman with the gardening t-shirt on a, a lot of women in that demographic, you know, they tend to like mysteries and, um, and, and I might throw out the fact and, and she was friends with C.S. Lewis. So of course that would make his ears perk up. And uh, so, so I, I would probably start with her and then I would sort of broaden it and I would say, and, and I've, my my book really goes into that friendship with Lewis and just sort of take it from there and uh, just, just uh, throw out all the little tidbits and and interesting facts that might uh, hook them both.
0: Yeah. That sounds like a good elevator, ride.
1: (laughs) I think so too. Um,
0: Yeah. And I think that uh, one of the reasons I was kind of thinking along these lines is it's such a good, uh, it's such a good example of friendship and how to conduct a friendship, but it's not, the chummy type of friendship that we're familiar with Mm -hmm. it's not hanging out and all of that there's something much stronger going on there and much different than just just uh living life together because that's not really what they were doing right um they had other shared things yeah that
1: they were well for one thing so much of their friendship is captured in correspondence and so much of it uh was based on correspondence because they didn't live particularly near each other Uh, They were both very busy with their respective careers and and family commitments, and they just didn't have many opportunities to get together. In fact, their letters are are always saying how they wish they had more time to get together. So um, they they had a a largely correspondence-based friendship, which was good in a couple of ways, because for for one thing, it's great for us, because now we have all their letters to read, many of which I've quoted in the book, and their letters are wonderful. And also, it was, I think, good for them in a way, because uh, they letters give you the opportunity to sort of sit and think through what you're going to say. And they're, they're really sort of a meeting of minds, um, which, by the way, was a working title for the book. Um, and yes. these were both such brainy people. I mean, they, their thought process is just fascinating to follow. And they, these letters gave them the opportunity to sort of bounce things off each other. And um, to be sounding boards for each other, to be confidants for each other, even to bicker a little bit sometimes. And, uh, they, they just, um, they they just were very conducive to a deep friendship.
0: Right. Right. And when you're writing things, as you say, you have a chance to sound out your ideas and you don't get to see the person's reaction yet. So you get to move. You're not judging off of that. You just kind of, you know, plowing forward with your ideas and developing them and then they get to deal with the whole package. Exactly because it can't respond (laughs) um so i found i found the book helpful several ways obviously because of this podcast i'm coming from strongly a sayer's perspective although i I love lewis um one way that i found it really helpful is it's a reference you actually put a timeline in the in the Mm -hmm. book at the end and just like but the whole book is put together in a chronological way and um I would like for you to tell our listeners a little bit more about the structure of the book. You mentioned in another interview that the book kind of structured itself. Yes. Um, so tell us how the book is arranged. Did you deal with any other structures? Cause you could have done a thematic structure or another one. Just tell us about the overall, you know, bones. Of
1: it. Well, the really nice thing is that the chronological and the thematic just sort of came together in this one because it, when when I started writing it well well before that when I started researching it but when i you know I got out all the collected volumes of their letters and started going through them and tagging like each letter from each to the other and uh just you know going through it very carefully, I noticed how as their friendship progressed, it sort of came went into different stages, and you know at first they collected uh they connected on a very um intellectual level and 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 a spiritual level too i mean they they had their faith in common they had their their interest in literature in common and their writing and everything and so they really connected at first and then their friendship sort of went into different areas like where they started they started um finding areas where they differed sometimes they would clash a little bit they they would they they would talk about um issues of gender, which obviously affected their friendship. They would talk about issues of, you know, integrity as a Christian writer, you know, what, what should a Christian writer tackle? What shouldn't a Christian writer tackle? What, what, what does it mean to have integrity in your work and, you know, not sell out and not, um, not go into areas that you're not equipped to deal with you know how should a christian handle these things so there were just these natural stages that sort of occurred in their friendship and then and then uh in the last few years it became more and more personal as they talked about different things they were going through you know his he married a woman who who uh, was very sick with cancer uh She lost her husband, and he was dealing with his brother's alcoholism and she could tell him about her husband's alcoholism that they, they had not really talked on, on a personal level like this at first, but then in the last years of their friendship they uh at which um you know she she was the first to die so uh this was like maybe in the their friendship lasted until her death, but this was in like the last i don't know Three, four, five years that they really were able to talk to each other and support each other and comfort each other as they were going through some hard things.
0: You know, as I was reading this book, I was reminded again, how much C.S. Lewis lost mm. in oh, his yes. life. Um, I know, I know we'll, we'll get to Charles Williams in a second, but I know that was a heavy mm-hmm. blow. And then he, you know, lost Joy Davidman and I mean, Sayers, I think before Joy, but, um, I mean, he, he's such a great encourager and he lost so many loved yes. ones um, yes. that he uh, just it, it happens. But still. yes. Um, yeah. So you were talking about that some of the disagreements and what you should be writing. And one of the phrases that had jumped out in one of her letters, uh, one of the exchanges is artistic conscious. Mm-hmm. Conscience. And should you even have that adjective in, in front? Like, is it just a conscious or is it? Less of a conscience because it's an artistic mm-hmm. conscience. Um, so that's a wonderful. Those really a wonderful. Those letters are a wonderful study in how to disagree. Yes. Um, on an intellectual without getting personal. Yeah. Really, I think I mostly sayers probably didn't get personal. Um, yeah. So okay. So there's a lot in there. There's so many different things we can talk about, and I'm really amazed that you managed to do such a comprehensive book. And let's see how many. <laughs> It's about uh, one. It's
1: under
0: two hundred. You've got it. If you don't count the timeline, we're at one seventy-one. Mm-hmm. So, um, it it doesn't say, like I didn't finish it thinking, oh wow, there's what she really missed all of this stuff. Um, I mean, you just covered so much and it was very effective. Um, so, if this if this were a movie, there would be some supporting roles mm-hmm. as we're kind of going mm-hmm. through this. And I want to talk about. Two of them, at least, that seem poles apart, yet both had a significant impact on both Sayers mm-hmm. and Lewis. The first is James Welch, mm-hmm. and the second is Charles mm-hmm. Williams. So, could you tell the listeners more about Welch, who he is, and why we should all be really grateful to him?
1: Yeah, that that's uh, that's a good point. He he was at the BBC, I think, director of religious programming was his official title. I think so, and he. Worked with both of them at different times. Uh, he, he um, when Sayers was doing her, uh, sh- she did a series of radio plays and I think they were commissioned for the Children's Hour program on the BBC. Uh, and uh, they were called The Man Born to be King. They were about the life, it was a play cycle about the life of Christ. So like every week a new a new play would be on and it was just a, a short play about um P- part of christ's life and and i forget i forget how many plays there are i've, I've read them enough times I should know <laughs> but, uh, right, right, but they know are out book form and they they are just wonderful to read but but uh james welch was uh, was he the original one that commissioned them I think he was I think he was somebody... and he certainly weathered
0: this storm yeah. too with, with yeah them. there
1: there was ver there was a great deal of controversy because uh she insisted and again this was part of her belief on in uh, the integrity of a christian writer she insisted that her jesus be realistic that he talk like a real person that all the people in in the place talk like real people and sound uh modern <laughs> not, not not in not yeah. in any sort of gimmicky way but just that they talk That the way people in her time would be used to hearing people talk and there was so much controversy over that and um, and she weathered it and uh, that the BBC, you know, they went ahead with it and those plays uh, were just they were hit and I think they taught people, children of course, and also the adults who were listening in, they taught people so much that they hadn't known about Jesus because one of the things that really uh, bothered Sarah was that people, even Christians in her time, knew so little about what they professed to believe, uh, that, that, that the culture in general knew so little about what Christianity really entailed. So she was dedicated to showing them and she did that. And then, of course, Welch was also involved in getting Lewis to broadcast uh, his talks, which eventually would be turned into mere Christianity. So, uh, yeah, Welch, we we do owe him a great deal. And I I think, uh, you know, the whole country of of, of England owed him a great deal because um, he he, uh working in that capacity, you know, religious broadcasting, I mean, he brought in the heavy hitters. He brought in the best people right. writing and speaking at that time that he possibly could have brought in.
0: Right. Right. And uh, just think of the things, I mean, you never know what would have been without that, but his, his a bit of courage regarding what he was doing. And I remember when I first started reading about these things, being struck at how Christian the BBC mm-hmm. was, and that That it was direct. It was trying to be Christian in a a very specific Mm -hmm. way, Um, and uh, I know all of our. We have a lot of listeners who maybe aren't Christians and stuff. But at that time, given the British government and identity, that was that was okay. I mean, he had he had the Mm -hmm. freedom to do that. We're going to end it with that note about the BBC, but there's so much more to say. Thank you for joining Gina and me as we talk about Sayers and Lewis. In the next episode, we will finish the conversation, which will include how we should and shouldn't separate the work from the author, a brief gender discussion, and even research advice. For questions and comments, please email me at lindsayannscholl at gmail.com or leave a comment on the YouTube edition of this episode. Have a great day and peace be with you.